0: places. This is the Messy podcast. Here's Jason Elam.
1: My guest today is an artist who works full time in the business office of a major university and is also a licensed cosmetologist. She grew up in the conservative Church of Christ and left that religious system last September. She says she is currently undergoing a faith deconstruction and hoping to uncover a better spiritual path. Welcome to the Messy Spirituality Podcast, Ashley Robbins.
0: Thank you for having me, Jason.
1: (laughs) I am so excited to finally be talking to you on the podcast. Tell us your spiritual backstory. In the introduction, I mentioned you grew up Church of Christ. What did that stream of Christianity you grew up in look like?
0: Um, I mean, pretty much, I mean, the church of Christ just has a bad name as it is, you know, cause we think we're the only ones going to heaven kind of thing. But, uh, I pretty much always kind of viewed God as some kind of lingering deity in the sky. That's gonna, that's just ready to pretty much send you to hell over anything and everything. And that Christianity was pretty much just a checklist. So do this and this and this, and then you get into heaven. But if you miss one thing, you know. Sorry, you're going to burn in hell. So like my whole, my whole faith was pretty much based around hell. (laughs) Um, Even though like I didn't go to a church that was, you know, hellfire and brimstone. It was just kind of like implied, you know, so.
1: Right. Because if everybody outside of the church is going to hell, then even if it's not talked about every week, it's still an ever present factor, right? Yes. Yeah. So what, tell, explain to me the theology of that if you can why do they actually believe they're the only ones going to heaven? What What is the belief system behind that?
0: Um, so I feel like the Church of Christ really prides itself on, uh, we can back up pretty much anything that I'm saying we, I don't know, I'm saying we, but they can back up anything that they do with scripture, um, because they take scripture super literally. So, you know, why we take communion every Sunday, why we don't, in the church building why we, you know, fill in the blank, don't use instruments in practice, uh, or in worship. So, uh, they, they can always find a Bible verse and they can always debate anyone and humiliate anyone. That's a bad way to put it, but I mean, that's just the truth. I was literally taught how to debate and fight people and make them feel bad unless they believed exactly what we believed.
1: So did how did those beliefs impact you? What did you believe about God? And how did that inform what you believed about yourself?
0: Uh, I mean, I pretty much hated myself up until this point. Um, I think that fed a lot into um, my eating disorder. Um, I suffered from anorexia nervosa when I was in high school and had to go to rehab for that. Um, I just had always hated myself and Uh, It fed the whole mindset of I'm better than everyone at the same time. Like, I have it right. You know, my theology is right. We are the chosen ones kind of thing. So I just kind of, I thought, you know, I'm part of the Church of Christ. We're high and mighty. So I need to make everyone believe what we believe.
1: So how would you have described God during those days?
0: I honestly... And I've heard it before on the podcast, how like Jesus is kind of like the big brother that like steps in and kind of is like petitions to God uh, on your behalf. And that's pretty much how I viewed him. Um, I mean, he always felt very far away, even like when I prayed or during worship, even the whole like chill bump moments that you experienced, I still felt like, uh, he's just kind of up there and I'm just like, a second, I'm a, like afterthought kind of thing. I said I let him into my life, but I didn't really because he just felt so far away from me.
1: So what was the catalyst that kind of pushed you into deconstruction? Was there an episode or something that took place in your life that kind of put you on the outs of that system?
0: Oh, God, Jason, now let's just get right into the meat of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, at first, I thought to myself, it was the whole, uh, figuring out that other people didn't believe in hell. I thought that was it. And then I took some time to reassess it just recently. And I was like, well, I guess what really started this and what really made me start asking questions. And, uh, I guess it was my divorce, um, back in 2019. So, uh, because when I got divorced, I didn't get divorced on the grounds that the church of Christ liked. Um, Because they say you can only be divorced and like still in the right and still get a ticket to heaven. If you have proof that that person has, you know, committed adultery in the midst of your marriage. So I did not offer that proof to anyone. I, I I couldn't find it out for myself even if it was true, but so because of that, That just makes it look bad to begin with. But then I also I really wanted to get remarried, you know, I wanted a second shot at getting to play the role of a wife and mother and I didn't I didn't want to have to do that on my own, you know, like be a mother on my own. I wanted to have someone that loved me and would help take care of me and my family. So but I was pretty much told after my divorce, you know, that's, that's impossible unless you want to condemn someone else to hell as well as yourself and your kids one day. And that's when I started kind of being like, well, that's not fair. You know, it occurred to me, women that are in my position back when like Jesus was alive, you know, what would happen if if they got divorced, you know, like they, they couldn't own land. They couldn't do a lot of things for themselves. You know, they depended on men so much. And pretty much if you got divorced, then you depended on the church and what church is going to support me. (laughs) Like if we take it and bring it to present day, Mm -hmm. no church is going to take up that responsibility and like be your husband kind of thing. So I don't know. I just started that started to kind of turn in my head and then more questions came up. And then, I met Noah and figured out that him and a lot of his friends didn't believe in hell. And then I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and that sparked even more questions, obviously.
1: Right. So what's that process been like for you? Uh, was hell kind of the first domino to fall?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, Cause after I unraveled all that, then it started to get into, you know, well, what in the uh, what in scripture that I've considered so holy and sacred my whole life what is actually truth in that, you know, and then it came back to the, all the writers and, you know, their biases and uh, their experiences with encountering um, Abba or Jesus and the endless amount of questions. And it's it's been probably this is the hardest journey of my whole life so far. I mean, I'm only 22, but. God, this, is, this has been the worst. I've lost so much over it. I mean, I've gained a lot more, but I've lost a lot that I held dear to me.
1: Well, let's talk about that. What's been the hardest thing to let go of?
0: Uh, it's just hard to let go of that theology that you always like. It was comfortable. It was familiar, you know, and I can't unknow what I know now. And that's scary because I don't know a lot anymore. Like I was so certain about so many things And now I don't know anything. (laughs) And not only that, I mean, I've lost the majority of my family, I feel, over this, Um, especially my mother, which has been really hard since we used to be really close. We used to share like the exact same theology and thoughts on politics and just society in general and a woman's role. Um, And now we're just complete opposite sides of the spectrum. So it's been hard not being able to... Um, speak with her and having to set boundaries because I don't really want to set boundaries with her. I'd love to talk about, you know, a lot of these things, all these questions that come to my mind. But I'm always met with the same Treasure Christ prescription.
1: (laughs) So a lot of people that listen to the podcast are on that same road that you're on right now. And they are dealing with family members who just are all over them with doctrine and criticism and finger pointing. What have been some healthy boundaries for you in some of your relationships with folks like that?
0: I'm actually just now learning to set the boundaries with people because I just didn't want to, I but I don't like conflict. I hate fighting with people now. I used to not be that way, but um, I've just had to tell them if it's anything that's political or spiritual at all, for the time being, I need you to not speak about it with me because I'm not... F- firm in what I believe in. I mean, I may not be in the future. I don't know. I'm still in this process, but um, I don't need you to tear me down, you know, because I'm already feeling pretty low. (laughs) So I just don't need more lies to fill my head and make me more anxious about my uh, journey with ABBA.
1: So do you find that people are willing to submit to those boundaries?
0: Mm, Not, not easily. (laughs)
1: They need reminders, huh?
0: Yes. Yes. They need a lot of reminders. If It's not at all, though, because I know a couple of my family members have just said, well, we just don't have anything in common anymore that we can talk about. Um, like, we just don't believe anything that's the same. So we just don't have any common ground to talk about this. So let's just not talk at all.
1: That's always so heartbreaking to me when families fracture over faith, because You know, I'm I'm sure that these family members that you're discussing, they would say that they love God with all their hearts. And I also, just from knowing you, the little bit that I do, actually, I know you love God more than you ever have in your whole life. And so you would think there would be more in common. But I know that the God that they believe in has some very narrow parameters. And so I know they've got to be pushing back just whether or not you're even relating to the true God at this point, I guess. Is that right? Yes, I'm so sorry. That's so heartbreaking.
0: Oh, well, don't be sorry. I mean, it's just part of the process. You know, I was when I first learned what deconstruction was and like joined the messy conversations group, I I was kind of prepared for it. Once I saw what everyone else was going through, like it doesn't prepare you so much for the hurt, but you just knew it was going to come. So,
1: yeah, that's right. It sure does. So do you still hear the legalistic voice of your old church in your head? Do you ever like kind of self-condemn and point fingers at yourself and wonder, you know, am I on the wrong track here?
0: Oh, my God, all the time. (laughs) Like you wouldn't believe. I I still can't read scripture um, unless it's like, you know, Psalms or something very uplifting. um, Because I I just keep going back to like I'll read everything just literally. And I can't even when I, I know that there's more history behind it, there's different biases behind it, um, different perspectives, I still can't get it out of my head. So it, that's been hard because I, I want to have a healthy relationship with scripture, whether or not I follow it to a T, you know?
1: Right. So what has been, uh, what helps you overcome that legalism in your head?
0: Uh, um, most of the time, I end up going to Noah and asking him to kind of unpack something with me or his parents, um, pastor, pastor John at Smoke Rise Methodist Church. Um, he's very like open-minded and he'll be the first to tell you, he does not know the mind of God, nor would he ever speak on behalf of the mind of God. So, um, just talking with them and kind of coming back to the truth, you know, and not getting, um, wound up in all of my old theology again, because I start to unravel it. And then I'll just roll myself back up until I choke.
1: <laughs> so what writers or thinkers are influencing you now in this season? Who are you reading? Who are you listening to?
0: I'm listening to a lot of you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty um, sure that means that you've got issues, but thank you. <laughs>
0: That's not true. Listening to I just I love all the people that you have on the podcast. You know that they've made such great like contributions to like um, I don't know their churches. I'm just I was just a bench warmer to be honest. Like you have former pastors on here. It's just like it's humbling to know that like they're kind of on my level. You know they're not higher beings and they have the same thoughts as me, the same doubts as me.
1: So are you, are any books that you read? Any, I don't know, any thinkers? Oh my
0: gosh, Rachel held. Um, I just, uh, Bo Hoffman sent me one of her books. Um, and oh my goodness, it has been so, she she was an amazing author.
1: Yeah, she was.
0: Yeah. I wish I could have gotten the chance to meet her because pretty much everything that she says is just how I feel right now with where I'm at. Yeah. Um, The whole, in one of the first chapters of um, her book, Searching for Sunday, um, she said something about uh, they couldn't believe that like this up and coming evangelist, you know, Rachel Held had become this, you know, she had fallen away or whatever. And that's exactly how I've been feeling because I used to lead all these like girls' classes growing up. And um, I was in this thing called Lads to Leaders and Leaderettes, where we like learned a lot of Bible verses or, did visual art that contributed to, or like, um, not contributed, but kind of like visual rep- representation of like something in scripture. And we did Bible trivia stuff and we won trophies for it. And they all just thought, I think they thought really highly of me when I shared the church of Christ theology and it all just kind of crumbled away this past year. And everyone thinks I'm crazy now,
1: which is oh, fine. Well, you're not crazy. No, 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 no. You're not crazy.
0: Not me. Even if I am, I'd I'd rather be this than go back to where I was.
1: (laughs) What do you think God is like today?
0: Now, I think, I just thought in my head, God is love. But that sounds stupid because everyone says that all the time. Oh, God is love. God is love.
1: Yeah, but I think it means something different to you now than when you heard it from a Bible verse five years ago, right?
0: That's true. That's true. Um, I mean, really, God is love. I mean... God is light. It's the whole rejection of hatred and evil and everything bad. Uh, I don't think that he's the looming deity anymore. Um, I'm not even sure about the whole, you know, God has a divine plan. I don't believe in the whole blueprint theory, you know, that he's got everything planned out. Right. I don't even think he is a he half the time. I think he is a she. (laughs) Um, That's really made a lot of people angry that I I say God can be a woman too. Of course. I don't know. Uh, I just view him more of like a really healthy parent, a really nice parent, you know, because, you you know, uh, the naked pastor, he he did this um, drawing of this man holding a newspaper and his son came up to him and said, I surrender like everything to you. And it was just, I bow to you. uh, I give you my life, you know, do what you want with me. And the father just looked at him like he was insane. And I feel like that's where I was at. I was that little boy. And now I'm just like, this is, this is my father. I just share my life with him. I don't, I don't try to make him something anymore. I just let him be.
1: That's such a refreshing perspective. I think uh, for folks who've been in church for so long, it's so hard to shake that servant mentality, you know that we we exist to serve God when really God just wants family, right? God just wants sons and daughters and children. you know he He just loves us and uh, I think we get lost in the the whole servant aspect and we forget that he's not a formula, he's not a religion. He's not the CEO of a nonprofit corporation. He's a father, or as you said, a mother, which I love also. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a totally different perspective on God. So do you still go to church?
0: Yes, but not in the conventional sense.
1: Okay, tell me about that. I like the sound of that.
0: (laughs) I tell everyone, like when they ask me, how do you go to church? And I'm like, yeah, we're at church right now. What do you think? (laughs) What do you think this is? Because I feel like I am the church. You are the church everyone is the church, the person at the gas station, the person at, you know, Oak Mountain, wherever we are, like, this is our church right here. I've kind of, uh, no one likes that answer.
1: (laughs) No, I think that's a great, I think that's a great answer.
0: But I'd rather like make my church outside of the four walls that I put God in and I put my whole faith in.
1: Yeah, that never made sense to me that if God is, you know, we always used to say God is omnipresent, God's everywhere but we can only meet with him in four walls of this sacred space. That never made sense. And so it just seems like you're looking for God everywhere. And and some of the, uh, you know, you and Noah both post a lot of pictures on social media and stuff when you guys go on your adventures. I don't know. We, <laughs> we haven't talked about it, but you look like you go hiking and, and do things out in nature. And uh, it just, you just seem to find the presence of God everywhere you go. And man, isn't that a better response? Isn't that a better way of looking at life than I can only experience God from ten to twelve at, at the church I grew up in?
0: yes, no i like I like this church much better <laughs> than my old one, but yeah. uh, no, you're right about I used to tell Noah um when I first started deconstruction, I was like, I want to find Jesus today like and someone, and if I can't find him, I just want to be him to someone. And that was like my goal almost every day. I really should still do that because it was really, that was a great mindset to have. But I would just look for him everywhere. And I ended up finding him pretty much everywhere after that. And I would literally tell people, you remind me of Jesus today.
1: Oh, wow. That's so awesome. And so many people need to hear that, right? I mean, it does something for them to hear it from you.
0: It does. I think love is the most transformative thing, you know, Why have a fear-based religion when you can have a love-based religion and just make everybody happy all the time. Amen.
1: Now you're preaching. Good. Oh, God. (laughs) I like like this church.
0: That's not a woman's role, Jason.
1: (laughs) Oh, stop. (laughs) All right. So we talked about the hardest theology to let go of. What's been the hardest part of this season of your spiritual journey for you? What's been the challenge of deconstruction?
0: I mean, kind of what we hit on earlier with... Like I still, I'll get wrapped up in my old theology. It's also hard to just, I have a lot of questions and I feel like I annoy the shit out of everyone because I I just have so many questions. And, but that's not the hardest part. That's just the annoying part. The hardest part is expressing myself. I feel like I have a really hard time describing what I believe or what I'm learning about in the moment. Um, Because a lot of it just comes off as cheesy. a lot of my family really don't like the whole encountering Jesus that, like I say all the time, like, well, they encounter Jesus a different way than you do. And they really don't like that.
1: Right. Cause in, 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 that mindset, you encounter Jesus in baptism or in communion, but, but only in the church of Christ, right? You can't encounter Jesus, you know, at Walmart, but, but you have found that you do.
0: No, I, I do. I, I've met him at some weird places, places I did not actually want to meet him, but. You
1: know. Right. Isn't it, isn't it fun to, to learn that Jesus goes and hangs out places that we never expected him to go?
0: Yes. And it's like, now I'm starting to think too, I think, I think that Abba laughs at a lot of things that we laugh at too. <laughs> like, as far as, uh, I just feel like he's got a good sense of humor. I feel like I don't believe in the whole, um, you know, at the Church of Christ, you got to get all fancy. You got to, I mean, I'm sure that's that way at a lot of other Congregations. I wasn't permitted to go to another type of church besides the Church of Christ up until I was like eighteen. So I don't have anything to compare it to. But the whole like you got to wear ties and your best dress and everything. Um, I feel like God just laughs when well, we we focus on something that small and that superficial. Like it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. All right. So we've talked about the hard part of your journey. What's been the best part of your journey? What's your favorite thing about the season of life that you're in right now?
0: All the people that I've met, I mean, and like so many people on the messy conversations group, like they all believe such different things. We have like a couple of things in common most of the time, but it's just so nice to learn from them. And like, maybe I don't agree with them on everything and maybe they don't agree with me, but it's just really nice to be around people that have a different mindset and have experienced different things. And, you know, you have similar trauma, but then they have a lot of other things that they've learned, like people that are further in the whole reconstruction process, you know, like they're, uh, it's it's really nice to know what's to come and to hear what they've learned so far. That and I don't know, there's been a lot of good to come out of it. I mean, the parts that hurt really hurt, but uh, like I've started reading more. That's that's been nice. And um, I don't know. I I finally feel like I actually love myself. I feel like I'm in a place where I actually think I'm worthy of love now.
1: Well, that's so good. Do you feel like you're healing from the damage done to you in a toxic belief system? I mean, do you feel like you've, has it been long enough that you've started to heal or are you just now kind of detoxing?
0: I want to say, yes, I'm healing, but you know how like when you heal, like when you actually have a wound that heals, it gets kind of itchy.
1: Yep. You start scratching and picking at it. Yep.
0: That's what's happening right now. So we kind of keep, I keep going kind of, I'm kind of in limbo. I don't like it. But like I'm too far past the line to go back, but I'm still kind of in limbo, if that makes any sense.
1: Absolutely. Well, you are a very popular member of the Messy Conversations group. I I love (laughs) how you interact with so many people. And uh, like you said, Bo Hoffman sent you a book and Chris Aker talks to you a lot. And uh, you just have so many connections in that group. And I'm so grateful for the relationships there, right? Because we, we lose our faith community. Uh, that we grew up in or came out of for deconstruction. And and there's this vacuum, right? But we can find something to fill that vacuum. We can experience community online. And here you are relating to people all over the country. It's, it's so cool to see these relationships formed. What has that meant to you?
0: Oh, my gosh. I mean, they're I consider them all like my best friends, which is... <laughs> kind of lame since I haven't even met half of them, but you know, uh, Chris Aker and Todd Bick and, uh, is it Elaine Johnston is her last name? Johnston. I think it that's is that's right. Yeah. Elaine. Yeah. Um, you know, all these people, I just feel super close to, maybe it's from shared trauma, but I don't know. It's, it's been encouraging to, to have them around and, um, to just kind of like reaffirm to sometimes I'll start to doubt myself. Like, the other day someone in my family told me, they were like, you know all of that is a lie, and that's just like a bunch of false prophets. And then I was like, Oh crap. Is it is it a lie? And I sometimes I just have to go back to my friends that are able to tell me, no, this is what healthy spirituality is. You know, this is do you feel good about it? Are you are you happy now? Are you? Uh, do you feel closer to God than ever? Then this is probably the right way. So I wouldn't turn back now.
1: Awesome. I love that. Well, how can our friends who haven't yet connected with you online <laughs> engage with you online? What's the best way for them to find you?
0: Um, they can add me on Facebook. It's just Ashley Robbins. Um, there's typically a picture of me and Noah in my profile picture now. Um, and I also have an Instagram. Uh, the handle is at spellbound Shears and it's got an underscore after it and it's just my beauty page if you want to see me do some weird hair you can check it out there
1: you also do some art talk about that for a minute what (laughs) when did you start drawing creating in that way
0: i mean i've always drawn like since the time i could pick up a pencil i just really i really liked uh whatever i saw i just wanted to draw it and um I used to do a lot of like realism and portraits and I used to do that a lot when I was in like 10th or 11th grade. And I, but I would never, I would just give it to friends. I would draw them. I would be sitting in class and I'd watch them and just draw them. And then I'd give it to them at the end of the class and they'd be like, what? (laughs) Um, but just recently I've gotten really into tattoo flash and now I'm like, Ooh, let me think of everything I can make into a tattoo flash kind of art. So that's what I've been dabbling with recently. It's been really fun. And I like asking everyone, what's your favorite? Because I typically get a lot of responses. And it's just nice to know that people appreciate your art.
1: <laughs> well, they definitely do. I think it, maybe it was Chris Aker who showed me a piece. Did you do a piece for him?
0: Yes. He Yeah, um, he,
1: he loved it. And he was raving about it.
0: Yes, he, he was like, can I can I share this with everyone and tag you? And I, I felt so honored for that. Um, but yeah, I drew him. Uh, he asked me to draw a broken clay wine jar, which I had never seen a wine jar up until this point in my life. But I was like, I'm not going to say no to this. <laughs> so um, he just asked me to draw you know, one that was broken with wine spilling out and then another one that was whole that was more towards the front like those would be the two center pieces and then I asked him if I could exercise some artistic license because they didn't have a lot of different colors in the time where you would make it clay, clay way wine jar so um yeah I just kind of put my own little twist on it that was really fun to do I'm glad that he shared
1: that. It was fantastic. He loves it, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Thank you. Well, I hope you keep speaking out, keep seeking, keep moving forward. Um, you're such a breath of fresh air, and we all in the Messy Conversations group are so thankful for you and who you are, and the Jesus that you point us to, uh, the Abba that you love and who loves you. And so, I'm grateful your time today. I'm so grateful you sharing your story with us and I hope you'll come back again in the future. And I just love you and Noah so much. Y'all are awesome.
0: Oh, we love you so much too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. You need to get me back on here when my reconstruction process happens, because that will be a whole other thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to it.
0: You've been listening to the Messy Spirituality Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and visit us online at messyspirituality.org help spread the word about the podcast by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and sharing links to each episode on your social media. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.